We're continuing our message on <clears throat> overcoming temptation. And how many of you really believe that God understands what you're going through when you feel the temptations and trials of life? He really, really understands. I remember talking with a man a while back, and he's saying, well... <clears throat> God is a good God and the devil's a bad devil and everything good in your life happens is there from God and everything bad happens from the devil. And I thought, well, have you read the book of Job? Do you understand that we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes? Something appears to be good, it may be bad. Something appears to be bad, it may be good. We walk through the wilderness as Jesus did and we hear strange voices. We're tempted at every turn. And unless we're patient, unless we keep our hearts fixed on God, we will not grow in our faith and pass through and be strengthened. We're going to look at a scripture this morning in the book of James. In fact, uh, turn with me, would you, to James chapter 1 that really gives us the principle, the meaning of all this. And we'll get back to Jesus in the wilderness of temptation in just a moment. But to understand the principle, guess what? God has a purpose in all this trouble that we go through. All the temptation that we experience, God has a greater purpose in mind. And He's gracious enough to tell us. James chapter 1. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when of his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, Gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father, the heaven of lives, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that He created. We realize that God wants the fruit that comes through the trial. He wants us to pass through and grow stronger and to be purified. And we realize that, as verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. Do you love God? This is a promise for blessing. If we will persevere, if we'll see past our circumstances and know that God has a greater purpose in all of this. If we look forward and realize that as surely as I'm experiencing difficult times, God wants to do something special in my life. And we need to be careful not to get caught in the excuse trap that we all tend to fall into when it comes to temptation. You know, uh, we hear silly things like, well, the devil made me do it, right? 
And I wouldn't have done it if everyone else hadn't done it. Have you heard that one? Have you used that one? Or how about this one? God knows how weak I am. Or how about this one? Well, God will forgive me as if to presume upon the grace of God. We all have our favorite excuses, don't we, for the sins that we commit. Well, Jesus is telling us, trust me, I know how to get you through. Yes, if you fail, I will forgive you and I will restore you. But it's much better to overcome that sin in faith through obedience. How many of you know that you don't have to fail in the same place, in the same way that you did in the past, if you grow spiritually in your relationship with God? We see the patterns and we think, well, that's just my weakness. I, I, if I experience that again, you know, it's just my pattern to, to fail in that way. Well, let's grow beyond the pattern. That's what the transformation is about so that we can be more and more like Jesus Christ. Well, turn with me back to Luke chapter 4, and we'll continue looking at these temptations that Jesus experienced, and uh, God will help us to be strengthened and encouraged as we face these temptations ourselves. You know, um, I used to uh, hear people say that the older we get, the less... We are tempted. How many of you say that's not true? Not true. (laughs) I used to admire those older saints who seemed like they'd passed all the tests and were beyond any type of temptation. But isn't it something that the older we get, it seems like the, the new types of deceptions and new types of temptation which we experience and we realize that as long as we're in this world we're going to have to face Satan and evil and deal with the problems of our own nature in terms of being attracted by those things which would cause us to disobey God. Here in as Jesus let's return to verse 1 of chapter 4 Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the desert, where 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. And then we see how the devil came to him three times with three temptations. The first one in verse 3, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him to the high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I will give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 9, then the devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And here he's quoting Psalm 91, of course. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord God to the test. 
And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Wow, what an incredible drama taking place as Jesus was tested in all ways as we are tested at every level, every motivation. You know, we realize that as surely as we are on this planet, as God created us and placed us here, we're having to face the same force of evil that has always been here. How many of you know that Satan is a real being? That evil is not just a force, but there is a personality behind evil. And all of the the demons, all of the principalities and powers of darkness that are under Satan are at work in this world trying to destroy God's special creation, his children, us. How is it that we are the target of all that evil? Well, let me say this. We don't have to understand it. In fact, we never will completely understand it. The Bible talks about it as the mystery of iniquity. God says, I will tell you everything you need to know to get through and to be victorious. I will make all the provision you need if you'll trust me and put your faith in me to get you through. Have you learned by now that you're not smart enough to outsmart the devil? That you can't figure your way out? Your will isn't strong enough to resist him whenever he appears and tries to pull you into something which truly is against God's will for your life? Have you realized by now that he has ways of setting traps and putting you in circumstances which you were totally unprepared for and we realize how much we really must depend upon the Lord. How much we really need to follow Christ's example. If you don't get anything else from this account, realize this, that Jesus was, hear this, full of the Spirit and full of the Word. What is our greatest assurance against Satan and evil and yielding to temptation? It is being full of the Spirit And full of the word. (laughs) What is full of the spirit? Well, Jesus said you you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witnesses. To establish my kingdom. To overcome the evil one. The openness to the Holy Spirit. In terms of his work in our lives. So very, very important. Now, practically speaking, we need to be in fellowship with the church. We need to be in prayer constantly. We need to realize that if we resist the Holy Spirit, we lose the great opportunity for the empowerment, which is always to be filled, to be overflowing. What about the Word of God? How can we be full of the Word? There's no way we can be full of the Word unless we open ourselves to the Word and spend time with the Word. Let me get real practical here. What about daily devotions? Did you ever think about daily devotions in terms of every day reading a portion of Scripture and asking God to help you understand it and apply it to your life? How important that is in terms of overcoming temptation? How many of you have had the experience of when you 
take some time to read your Bible and pray, especially in the morning that you face things that very day that relate to the scripture that you read. And the prayer time that you, it happens over and over again because it's the nature of our walk with God. God has a way of preparing us for what, we're, what we face as he prepares us by his spirit and by the word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for instruction, <clears throat> for correction, for reproof in righteousness think, oh God, how important it is for me to spend time in the Word. And so Jesus here is, he's baptized in the Jordan and really at the high point in his life so far and the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness and he's tested. It was the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that sustained him. Did you notice that over and over again he responded to Satan, it is written, thus saith the Lord. We need to be prepared in the same way to quote the scripture. Not just quote it with our minds and with our mouths, but to really understand and apply the word so that we really can say it from the depth of our heart in terms of facing that temptation and realizing that God has made provision for us. Well, let's take a moment to look at these three temptations in a little more depth, and then we'll get back to the book of James. Notice that this first temptation that Jesus experienced was about his hunger, his physical condition, and his desire for food. And Satan says to him, well, why not just go ahead and turn one of these stones into bread? Makes sense, huh? Was that an easy thing for God to do, considering that Jesus had created all of the stones in all the universe that ever existed, and to turn a stone into bread was no great task for Jesus? Why didn't he do it? Why didn't he just go ahead and do it? Well, we realize that hunger alone was not a good enough reason for Christ to do the miracle. This was the temptation of pleasure to satisfy a personal need through the gift of God or the power of God or the provision of God. And the fact was, hear this, Jesus was not led by the Holy Spirit to turn that stone into bread. He was tempted to do it as an exhibition, something that would reveal His power in a way that really was not consistent with God's purpose in that moment. You know, all of us would like miraculous power, wouldn't we? But realize this, that with miraculous power, there is responsibility. Jesus understood his responsibility. And we've got to be careful as Christians that we don't think that God gives us power and miraculous power just to satisfy our appetites. This was a great thing that Jesus did in saying no. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of... What he's saying, he's establishing a priority here. And the priority for Christ in the wilderness was to 
overcome his hunger for material food through the priority of his hunger for God and the kingdom. How important it is for us to keep our priorities right. Listen, there, the temptation of Satan to try to, to use God as the means to the end rather than as the end. Do you know what I'm talking about? I want to be happy. I want to be wealthy. I want to be well fed. I want to be healthy. And so I go to God as the means to the end. Using God for my ultimate gratification and fulfillment. No, we're saved for a greater purpose. We are destined to be God's for all eternity. And we must come to the place in our faith where we do not use God as the means to the end, but we realize that God is the end. The all and all. He blesses us with great gifts of healing and provision. Blessings so wonderful, but we don't seek the blessing as much as we seek the one who gives the blessing. And so our focus needs to be on God and not the bread. (laughs) How many of you know that that is a very important truth For the maturing Christian. Forgive me. But sometimes we as Christians get mixed up. And we think it's all about the bread. And and hear this. All about getting God to get you the bread. No. It's about God. (laughs) It's about God. It's about God. And he promised to provide our daily bread. If we realize it's really about him. And not about the bread. We must never manipulate or seek to manipulate our relationship with God for personal gain. And Christ so clearly demonstrated that in the way he responded. So, well, was he hungry enough to do this? Yes, he was. But was he good enough to do something better? Yes, And what was better? To please his father rather than to please his appetite. The second temptation. How interesting as uh, Jesus was taken by Satan to a high mountain where he could oversee all of the kingdoms of the world. It's interesting that the scripture says that the devil said to him that all authority I give you and as if Satan really had the authority over all these kingdoms. That's a frightening thought, isn't it? How much authority does Satan actually have in terms of the rulership, governing of nations, the influence in society? We don't know. Part of that is deception that comes with the fall. How much influence does he really? We don't know. But we know this based on Christ's response. That as Satan promised that he could have all of the kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus realized that. As Satan was speaking those words, Satan was seeking to exalt himself 
and to be worshipped as the one who had power over all things. And as Jesus refused his offer, verse 8, Jesus answered to him, Get get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Wow. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? How much? The whole world. But loses his soul. Jesus understood that. We need to understand that. That there are times in our lives when we are tempted to compromise our values in our relationship with God. And we realize ultimately, ultimately, it's about your soul. It's not about the power. (laughs) It's not about all that you could possess. It's about your soul and your relationship with God. Guess what? What Satan was offering cost Much, too much in terms of eternal values. I don't think Jesus was a bit tempted. How about you? (laughs) Jesus knew, understood. And, you know, Satan's deception, he is called, you know, the father of fools. He is the greatest liar in all of creation. Let me say it this way. Satan doesn't get it. It's not about the power. It's about the Father. Our relationship with the Father. And that's where Satan missed it. And lost his relationship with God. As a great angel. And fell. And tries to lead all of mankind in that. Listen. There's a lot more here than just this dramatic story. As we realize. Everything Satan tempts us to do. To hear this. To embrace and to have this world pulls us away from the throne of God and our relationship with our eternal Father. Have you you bargained with your soul in order to have the riches and the things of this world? We all have experienced that temptation where we realize we have to either choose God or choose this world, Jesus chose to worship his father. And so should we, to worship him. What is this? Well, if the first was the temptation of pleasure, this is the temptation of power. And it's real. We all experience it. We all have to face it or challenged by it in many different ways. The power that we might have in this world. There's always a cost. The cost is too great. We must worship God and keep this creation in the right perspective. Well, the third temptation, even more subtle, as the devil took Jesus to the point of the temple roof that overlooked the Kidron Valley. We're told that this was about a 450 foot drop, a high place to look out. And as Satan quoted scripture to try to deceive Christ, quoted the 91st Psalm, 
which is about the protection of God. He said, Jesus, why don't you just jump off of here and, and wait for the angels to come and to swoop you up. Uh, I mean, won't that be spectacular for all of your followers, all of your, everyone to see that you really are special? And Jesus, <clears throat> responding as God gave him the grace to do so, answers in verse 12 and 13 as he says, hear this. Now this is very important. It's going to lead us back to the James scripture. It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now what is this? If the first temptation was about pleasure and the second was about power, what is the third temptation and what is so subtle about it? I truly believe that this third temptation is about presumption which is a counterfeit for faith where we tempt God and really put ourselves in authority over God trying to get God to perform for us to satisfy some type of of pride in self which will never lead us into the kingdom and we can do this in very subtle ways you hear people say, well, if God would only give me a sign for this or for that. Listen, I believe in signs. God gives signs. And in the right relationship, a sign can certainly be a confirmation of his direction. But those people who step back and ask God to perform in, real, in pride and arrogance as if God had to convince them because they're so important are entering into a kind of Rebellion against God, which is very, very dangerous. Let me ask you, has God ever shown you something and you rode along with it for a while but asked for convincing signs and as you realized in that process that God had already spoken and God, you had to repent of that unbelief and disobedience before it was. This is the common experience of the Christian I thank God for the signs that he gives, the special direction and how he, he, he reveals himself and proves himself over and over again. But we've got to be very careful in the way that that happens. Um, Ginger and I had an interesting experience when we were uh, young and preparing for, to, 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 to go into the ministry and really felt called to go and study and uh, I asked the Lord for a sign that he would provide a certain amount of money in order to you know, confirm that we were supposed to go to this, this college. Well, uh, I was surprised that just, I mean, almost exactly that amount of money mysteriously, true story, showed up in my savings account at the bank. Now, how could that have happened? I didn't make the deposit. I would have remembered no one I knew had made the deposit. But I thought, wow, isn't that wonderful? I said, but I want to make sure it's my money. I went to the vice president of the bank and asked him to verify that that deposit was there and it was mine and I could send it. And I gave him my testimony about how I really needed that to go to college. And there it was. Well, he signed it. I withdrew the money and we went to California to go to college. That's not the end of the story. Three months later, 
my poor mother let me know that the bank had been calling, looking for me, thinking that I had committed fraud. True story. Wondered what had happened. Well, I contacted the bank, and they weren't sure how that money got in my account, probably a bookkeeping error, but I had taken it out under what they thought was a false pretense, and I needed to pay it back. Well, what do you do? If the confirming sign that you asked God for was given, and it turned out to be a counterfeit, does that mean we weren't supposed to be in California? Confusing, right? Guess what happened? During the next several weeks and months, God really dealt with my heart and Ginger's too, but I needed it more than she did to show me that I really knew that I was called to go, that I asked for that sign really in unbelief and that whether the sign was there or not, I needed to obey because I knew what God wanted me to do before that money showed up in the bank. And so God taught me some deeper lessons of faith and submission and trust and dependency. Let me tell you, I worked hard to pay back that money. But I got it all paid back. But you know what? What I received from God in terms of the spiritual lessons, so much deeper, so much greater. Let let me say it this way, okay? Don't play with God. Don't mess around with His ways. When he speaks, hear and obey. Don't be presumptuous and tempt and test and try the patience of God. Let me tell you, after that experience, I was a lot quicker to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yes, Lord. I'll obey. Lord, I I don't need any more signs. (laughs) I'm trusting you. We can really become confused if we depend too much on the signs. We are not to seek the signs. We are to seek the Savior. And the Savior will show us how to interpret our circumstances and be obedient and to pull through. Well, What presumption for Christ to throw himself off just so he could be rescued by the angels in front of a wonderful crowd. He knew better than that. He said, you you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do miracles just for the spectacular show that's available? And forgive me, but I get concerned about some of the stuff that I see in Christian ministry which really tries to dramatize and you know, make the miracles of God spectacular and to give credit, too much credit, to people that are involved in the... when it's really about God. We need to realize that God's perfectly capable of rescuing us and keeping us according to His promise as in Psalm 91. But we are never to tempt or test God in such a way that really we begin to take control. I'll never forget a lady that I was counseling with who was very concerned because things weren't happening the way she 
expected them to be happening in terms of the miracle that she wanted. And she told me all that she had done in terms of quoting the scripture and confessing her faith and doing all the things that she knew that would cause God to do what she wanted him to do. And she said, I had, she said this, I had backed God into a corner and I knew that he had to do what I was asking. I said, did he do it? She says, no. I said, well, who's in the corner now? That's how you get yourself in a corner. Guess what? God doesn't have to play your game. He doesn't have to follow your formula. He's God. He's free. He's sovereign. We yield to Him. We ask Him. We trust in Him. But we submit to Him and know that He's able to do all things. That's why when someone really gets healed and answered a prayer, no one needs to try to take credit for that in terms of their faith. Does that bother you? It bothers me when people start to try to take credit for the miracle in terms of the way they prayed or how much faith they had. No, this is about God and His love and His goodness, not about how much faith you may think you had. Anyway, Jesus responded. Jesus did not yield to that temptation. And I'm out of time here. I'm not going to be able to finish this this morning. I'll come back. We'll get back to James. We want to make sure that we don't rush communion this morning. Let me summarize this and say, God understands what we're going through in this life. Each time we're tempted, each time we experience a trial or a difficulty, God understands. And His purpose, His purpose is to get us through and to establish us in our faith and make us more like his son. Philippians 1.6, one of my very favorite scriptures, which says, He that has begun a good work in you shall perform it, till com- shall complete it. He's not going to quit. He's going to follow through. He's going to see us through. As we come to the communion table this morning, let's come with humility. Let's come with transparency regarding our our sins and our struggles. Let's ask God to forgive us and to restore us and give us another opportunity to obey Him and to truly, truly grow in the character of His Son as we respond in the right way to the trials and temptations. Lord, help us this morning. Prepare our hearts. We ask you, O oh God, that we wouldn't go just go through the motions of communion this morning, but Lord, we would take a moment to look to you and ask you to search our hearts. We ask you, O oh God, to help us identify the sin in our lives that we need to confess to you and agree with you that it is sin and ask you for the cleansing that we need to be forgiven to renew our covenant. Lord, these are great gifts to us, Lord, the cup and the bread, great gifts. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.